welcome to Adult Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in these special bonus episodes, we are talking about the His Dark Materials TV series on BBC and HBO. Beware, these episodes are not spoiler free and will contain spoilers for the original HGM trilogy. So if you haven't read them all, pop back when you're all caught up. This week we're discussing Season 3, Episode 5, No Way Out. Ah. (laughs) Oh no, there's no way out. There is no way out. What are we gonna do? (laughs) Oh my god. Um, Yeah, fuck. This episode, it's a lot. Mm, mm -hmm. Sure is a a lot going on. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) before we get into it and before... I know I will forget this. If you are just joining us for the TV show episodes and you haven't listened to our book episodes or any of the other episodes that we've done, you might not know that we've got merch. Merch, 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 (laughs) merch. You won't have heard my merch, 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 merch song. And that's the debut of Rich's merch, 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 merch song to the people that only listen to the TV show episodes. But yes, (laughs) we have merch, we have t-shirts, we have stickers, we have bookmarks. And if I do say so myself, like I drew them, they are great. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. I did I did Rich, drew them. Yeah. I did draw them. <laughs> yes. All the artwork is by Rich. And yeah, we've just got, we've got t-shirts with the golden monkey on there, or LMP as we like to call him. We've got Alethiometer t-shirts. We've got t-shirts with our logo on it. Yeah. The Alethiometer t-shirt is the pride and joy of me spending a whole week sketching while I had COVID early last year. Yes. And it's not just got the alethiometer on it. It's all sorts of tessellated patterns. So we've also got the subtle knife in there. We've got Yorick in there. We've got Lee's balloon and we've got all like little demons around the edges and stuff. There's loads of like fun details to spot in the design. Yes. So you get to be a super nerd if you wear it. Yes. So, yes. It's so great. <laughs> it's so great. Um, yeah. So if you want to buy one of those t-shirts, you can go to hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. We run our shop on a monthly order system because it's just a little old me packing your orders. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we gather all the orders up at the, f- at the first of the month. We send those orders off to our supplier. They send the t-shirts to me. I pack them lovingly, lovingly and then send them out to you on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. So if you order towards the end of the month, you're likely to get your t-shirt or whatever you're ordering a little bit quicker than you would if you ordered towards the beginning or the middle of the month yeah not only does that system save space in our tiny flats it's also more eco because we're only printing exactly what we need and it means we can be more size inclusive because we can just print on a wider range of sizes we don't have to order them in bulk and then guess how many of you are going to order what it is excellent so yes yeah it's great i enjoy packing the orders as well so yeah i enjoy getting like seeing when all the new prints come in and it's like yes yes that is just for the t-shirts though so mm-hmm. all of the stickers and bookmarks that we have in the shop are ready to ship and we may have a few other ready to ship items coming in over the next couple of months because the gears are turning we're always working on new stuff <laughs> we are yes oh rich is and sending it to me and i'm like oh my god yeah. i love it that's how it usually i get over excited and send Faye like a million merch ideas then we're like rain in what can we actually do yeah we're like we want to do this this and this and like Okay, yes, if we had unlimited funds, then absolutely. But we need to pick certain things to do, for sure. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, let's talk about... Actually, I was going to say let's talk about this episode, but do you know what? I'm not. I'm going to say 
what are we going to talk about instead? Let's talk about... We're going to start a different podcast. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about all the interviews we've got coming up. Oh my God, yes. We have the most exciting two weeks ahead of us. We do. If not more. <laughs> so, I think we've mentioned this before, and this... We're not sure when we're going to put this out. It might actually already be out by the time we release this episode. But we did interview Francesca Gardner, who is executive producer and writer. And she wrote episode eight. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening along with us, you, you've not seen that episode yet, but you can imagine what episode that is. Um, if you've seen it, you know, it's horrendous, heartbreaking. Oh. Mm-hmm. She wrote episode eight. She also wrote a bunch of other episodes. She was amazing to speak to. We loved speaking to Francesca. She was great. And then tomorrow, as we re- we, we record this, uh, in, <laughs> we're recording this a while in advance. But tomorrow in our world, we are recording with Russell Dosh and our pal Russ. Friend of the pod, Russell. Yeah. Russell is a VFX supervisor and we talked to him about season one and season two. And then he's coming back on the pod for the third time to talk about season three mm-hmm. we quizzed him on angels and malefa way back in season one and two mm-hmm. and he refused to tell us anything and now we can actually ask yep. proper questions because he has climbed that mountain that clouded clouded mountain yeah and he knows he does how hard it was to bring those to life he so does we can finally find out yes <laughs> and then we have joel collins coming on the pod who is production designer extraordinaire he's also yeah. second time on the pod we talked to him after season two uh, so yes. looking forward to having there's Joel. So much amazing theming and set design in this season. I can't wait to pick his brains about it. It's going to be so yes. good. And then we have our other pal, big pal Simone Kirby, our very yes. own Mary Malone. She's coming on the pod too, and we love her so much, and we're so excited to talk about uh, talk to her. The last person that we have to tell you about our interview with is Stephen Harron, who is one of the executive producers and editors of the show. And he ha- we have a really great conversation with him about all the work that he did in helping to like, I'm going to put it, I'm going to say it again. I think I say it in the intro, like his job seems to be like vibe maintenance. Yeah. Um, he does a lot of work with setting the vibe of the show and like maintaining the feel of the show, which is very cool. So look forward to that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and also very relevant to this episode because he talks to us. We only had a short amount of time with Stephen, but he talks a lot about creating the Malefa language and and all that kind of stuff. So it's a really, really nice talk with Stephen and it was great. Yeah. So yeah, you have that to look forward to as well. So many interviews. So many. So so many. Yes. (laughs) Check us out. (laughs) We also have people that we haven't put dates in the diary for yet which we're hopefully also going to talk to but we won't tell you about them yet just in case it doesn't happen yes i think we could we could these things are they're they're set they're in pen in the diary so we know they're happening other things are just wishes at the moment yeah (laughs) now should we get into this episode i'm ready this time yeah let's talk about season three episode five no way out whoop Okay, who do you want to start with? Because there's a lot of stuff happening. Some more intense and horrendous than others, I guess. Mm. So do we want to leave the nice things for last or do we want to start? Mary's first on my list in my notes, but that's only because we see her first. Yeah, I was wondering if we do the same thing we did last week and save Mary for last because she's nice to talk about. Yeah, okay. (laughs) We'll do all the sad stuff. Yeah. That's fair. And then, should we, we, I mean, we could get the, 
the boring boys out of the way first. The boring boys. And by yeah. the boring boys, I mean anything set at the magisterium. I mean, although that does currently include Mrs. Coulter. Yeah. So. In my notes, I have <laughs> encompassed all of the uh, m- m- magisterium uh, mm-hmm. bits together, so they're all in one thing. But we can okay. We can talk about two sets of boys. So we can talk about Gomez and McPhail, and we can also talk about uh, Alabus and Metatron if we are gendering angels. That's mm, the, that is the mm-hmm. question. But um Yeah. Okay. Well McPhail. R.I.P. first and foremost. <laughs> Poor one out. Mm. The ulti- the ultimate McPhail. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of failure, <laughs> to continue living. Oh my god, no, too hard. Too much. Oh my god. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. The uh, ultimate yeah. McPhail. The ultimate Father President McPhail. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he has some moments this episode, some moments that make my like skin crawl. Just his like, ugh, his gr- to say he spends the episode quivering ugh. is an understatement. Truly, <laughs> truly, he fucking smacks Gomez in the face. Ooh, that moment though, mm. mm-hmm. there's some tension there. Just goes for it, goes for a little slappy. He does. Um, I um, my note is Father McPhail's looking at LMP all creepy like because he's like maybe gonna touch him yes. and poor LMP's stuck in the cage Yeah, and uh, Gomez like calls him out and he's like oh I thought it was you know uh, a heresy a, a, I can't remember what he says Some something to do with it being like a taboo to yeah. touch at someone's demon and McPhail just full on slaps him in the face and my note is oof slappy right he gets a bit slappy he's like it. how dare you enter unannounced and then Gomez is like he's again like questioning McPhail's leadership he's mm. like I answer to the authority actually yeah he's definitely seeing the cracks that's Mm. for sure and like there's a little there's simultaneously like a challenging for power but also like a not being sure enough if that's the right move Mm. so still trying to stay in the good graces which is why after we have the scene that finishes with the little slappy we get the scene where he offers to hunt the serpent yes so this is interesting because if you remember when we first watched this we must have missed that line because i Mm. remember then saying to you potentially later on a few episodes down or whatever whenever we next see Gomez no spoilers but I was like I thought that he in the books I thought he went after Mary not Lyra so I just must have missed that line because it does make Mm. sense because then you see that shot of him like next to the serpent that's on the wall so it obviously yeah. makes a lot of sense. Which I love. Like kudos to the props team. Mm-hmm. There's some great videos actually on the uh, Dark Materials Instagram mm-hmm. feed of them building various sets. And yes. they posted one today of them building the Magisterium and like all the corridors that Mrs. Mm-hmm. Coulter like stomped through last episode. And so I know there's a scenic painter out there that painted yes. that scene of Eve and the, and the serpent on the wall that's always behind. Um, Father President McPhail when he's praying so fervently oh, God. and it's behind Gomez and I look, I'm obsessed with a Twitter account called Medieval Guys <laughs> and it's all the like silly weird medieval paintings like the weird facial yes. expressions and how like the snake is so perfect it's a perfect weird medieval guy yeah. um, because it's got like that weirdly human face to it that's mm-hmm. just so on point for like paintings and illuminations from that era yes. I love it for sure for sure <laughs> um, I love Gomez's his his black outfit, his little uh, expedition outfit, love it. Yes, love it. He's off on his Duke of Edinburgh, his evil Duke of Edinburgh, <laughs> evil Kylo Ren's Duke of Edinburgh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
yes yes <laughs> and i guess okay so obviously we we've got more to say about mcphail but it involves mrs coulter so do you want to go there now or do you want to move on to metatron and alabas before we then move back to mrs coulter i think we go mcphail and coulter okay we cut to Metatron and Alabas just before they could become relevant okay. towards the end of Mrs. Coulter's storyline yeah. and then we cut back Boom. just like the TV show did. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Mrs. Coulter, there's some excellent costume design going on here. She looks exactly like Lyra. Went Lyra yeah. in season one. Is it Lyra's it's Lyra's Bolvanger outfit, right, in season one? I think so, yeah. Mm. It's very much like the Bolvanger outfits and it that dress runs that line between looking a little bit like a hospital gown yes and a school uniform mm. and that's exactly what Bolvanger oh. did as well so and that's yeah. exactly something that the magisterium would do put a fucking grown woman in an outfit that is supposed to infantilize her yeah yeah and Ruth does such a good job like in this this outfit this color is mm. horrendous on her mm-hmm. and I love that yeah like it is not her color it is so it washes her out completely and she looks so so rough in the best way like mm-hmm. kudos to the makeup team kudos to Caroline for picking that color on her yeah. like everything yes yes yeah I don't like to see her curled up in a corner it's horrible but I no. do enjoy the bit where they put I don't know how the person who acts putting the food in the thing then is able to portray that they're terrified of her when they pull it back out, but they do a great job. Because yes. basically she <laughs> says that she'll bite their fingers off if they, she's like, I'm not eating that fucking shit food. And if you try and force feed me, I'll bite your fingers off. And they just pull, they just like whip it back. And they're like, it, I just feel the fear from that person <laughs> with that tray. Great hand acting. Yes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I love Roke's little reaction to that. That he's it's it's not like a meow, but it's kind of that like I think they believe you about biting their fingers off kind of energy. Like he's very much like. Yeah. Also, Roke yeah. is definitely playing the part of like the girl. What the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? They're gonna sever you, and she's like, good. Yeah. So this is my question. Mrs. Coulter is to be the bullet in the gun that kills Lyra. She's to power the machine with her severance. But we already know that Mrs. Coulter is. Not necessarily severed, but separated from her demon. She can go distances from him. Yeah. Do we think that the severing would not necessarily actually... Do, like, do we think, A, it would actually sever her? Mm. or And do we think, B, because of the way that they're already partially separated, do we think it would produce the same effect if it did do it to Coulter? So I think it would sever them. And I think that it would produce less a lesser amount of energy than it would if it was somebody that wasn't already kind of separated from their demon. Mm. I think it would still work, but it'd be like less, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like, she does clearly fear it and there is that moment between her and the monkey. So I don't yeah. think she's... Maybe she also doesn't know, mm. but I don't... I mean, it was just something I was curious about because there is such a clear difference between her connection with her demon and the average person's yeah. connection with their demon. Yeah. And so it is, it kind of removes that question because obviously she does manage to escape. So we get to see a normal person with a normal demon connection, yeah. like McVeigh power the, ma- the mm-hmm. machine or not. Because who, who the fuck knows what happened there? So I have, any, I have questions about I'm that. Jumping the gun. Yeah, I'm jumping the bomb. I know. We're still with Doctor Cooper, who is frightened. Doctor Cooper and fucking hell, hating life. Yeah, Look, she she comes through in the end. She does. Ruth's face when they tie her to the chair is just phenomenal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also interesting to note about Dr. Cooper is because we do have, obviously, we have sympathy for Dr. Cooper, but we also have to realise that she was doing these horrible things with Mrs. Coulter at Bolvanger. She's clearly got, I don't know what the word is, but there's clearly something going on inside her head where she only starts to listen to Coulter. Coulter is basically doing the Coulter version of pleading with Dr. Cooper to, mm-hmm. you know, not do this thing to her. Cooper only starts to listen when she says, if this is what they're going to do to me, think about what they're going to do to you. That's the only, that is when it clicks in Coop's brain to actually be like, oh, fuck. So she yeah. has got selfish motives. Yeah, her moral compass is kind of more pointed at self-preservation mm-hmm. than it is at anything else. Yeah, um, like you can see that she recognizes that the things that she's done are wrong, and she has been justifying them. But I don't think she feels racked with guilt about it. No. Like you can see it because when McPhail asks her to build a bomb, she genuinely does seem like she doesn't want to hurt any more people. Yeah, kind of. But she does care a lot more about not having herself hurt mm. than about not building the bomb. Also, question: So Mrs. Coulter says to Miss uh, to Doctor Cooper something along the lines of. We thought we were doing the right thing at Bolvanger. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Mrs. Coulter ever thought she was doing the right thing at Bolvanger? Or do you think, we've kind of asked a similar question before, or do you think she was just doing it to get power and she fully knew how horrendous it was? Mm, I think a bit of both. Mm. Because she did genuinely seem shooketh enough when Asriel shattered her idea that God was real mm. or that God was in any way powerful or the creator. And I'm saying God, I mean the authority, obviously. <laughs> of course. Not not capital G-O-D, the authority, <laughs> capital A. Um, well, yeah, when I, so she does genuinely, I think there is a moment there. But I think she's like, maybe it started out as like a combo mm. of the power grab and the religious stuff. I'm sure if you do something enough, you start to believe it yourself. Mm. But I think at a certain point she turns cynical. Because if she genuinely was like, intense enough about the religious aspects of it to think it was a good thing she would have let lyra be severed in season one true 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 she knows it's like she knows deep down that it's not good but also i think she kind of was kind of buying the rhetoric she was peddling Mm. definitely isn't anymore yeah (laughs) absolutely so when mcphail comes in mrs colton has some fucking great lines one of them do not explain my own technology to me Especially because you blatantly don't understand it. Absolutely. And keep your hands off me. There's too much blood on them for that. Boom. Love it. Love it. Love Love it. it. She's she's so great. I really like when she like knows that she's about to die, basically. And all that she can think of to do, which I'm not dissing, I think is great, is just shout loads of shit that she knows will piss off you. Like, Mm -hmm. she's just like, and I think obviously there's an intention there to also try to get Dr. Cooper to stop it. But I'd like to think her first intention is she's like, I know I'm going to die. I'm just going to say there's a shit to like rattle him at least. I'm here for that because it's literally like, what's the worst he can do? Mm. Save my demon from me and kill me. Oh, wait, that's what he's going to do anyway. Yeah. Speak your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I was going to say the turn in in Dr. Cooper was done really well. The actress Mm -hmm. has done a really good job. Like the moment that Cooper kind of clicks and decides to throw the switch the other way yes it's a really good moment and like the way that father mcphail gets down on his knees and starts praying as they like start to pull the trigger and do the pull the switch do the ceremonial stuff like that is 
so creepy. He yeah. does such a good job of being creepy this episode. Truly. I hate Truly. it. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Hugh kills Coops. R.I.P. Coops. Yeah. This, I was going to say, this is like the third time she's been downed in as many episodes, but she's fully down because yep. we see the fox turn to yeah. dust. So also, that's it. what a like one hit and she's dead. Yeah. I know it was with a metal pipe or whatever it was, but still. Yeah, it was some kind of like heavy looking surgical yeah. tool almost. Like. Yeah. <laughs> also, does... Okay, two things. Number one, Rook gets LMP out of the cage. Yes. LMP comes over to untie Mrs. Coulter, but before he does, he rests a little paw on her hand for like a fraction of a second. Such good acting between Coulter and LMP today. Yes. So good. Yes. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Thank Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And I think that it's important to point that bit out because it's very easy to miss because then he unties her, but he does rest his little paw on her first. <sighs> Those two. Those two, honestly. And the other thing is, does McPhail kill Brooke? Oh, yeah. Fully smushes him. Yeah, because like he throws him against the window and then Rook falls to the floor, but his little wings are still twitching a little bit when he's on the floor. But the wings aren't... They're um, not part of him. No, yeah. they're just electronics, aren't they? But he is... He looks... that Somebody, whoever whoever animated and chose that position that he falls to on the floor definitely looked at a like fly-swatted daddy long legs mm. for like that position because it looks... He looks like everyone's been calling him an insect as well as like yeah. an insulting term this whole time, and he does look like a splattered insect. Yeah, and it he is. does. R.I.P. Pour mm. one out for Lord Rogue. Yeah, absolutely. Also, yes to Monkey Coulter. Another callback to season one. Yeah, she fucking gets on top of Hugh and she fucking batters him. She also smashes his head into the floor. And the shot of that, I how do they film stuff like that? Because you full on see Wilkins' head smash into that floor. Mm. maybe it was a foam floor yeah a foam pad as the floor mm. i don't know but yeah they the like choke out mm. session between the two of it's a very choky couple of episodes <laughs> but very different energy yes. for both chokes different <laughs> choke energies for sure but like that was so like that again wilkeen ruth wilson their acting for being choking each other out was ridiculous yeah so good like so good that entire fight scene and yeah getting to see her go full like mrs coulter monkey mode with the thumping on like thumping Mm -hmm. him was so good i'm just sad for her that she was distracted by lmp noticing lyra's dot on the radar the radar screen's really cool it's very like submarine vibes yeah like i like the like era of that tech yeah chosen also i saw in an article and i forgot to tell you about it that miss uh I nearly called Ruth Miss Coulter then. Ruth did an interview and she said that the monkey speaks in this season. So they did film something where the monkey speaks. And I can't remember. Somebody quote tweeted it. It might have been like Jane or Dan or somebody like that. Mm. I can't remember. And they said, yes, we did film a scene where the monkey talks and then we decided to get rid of it. So I want to know. I think from now on, we should kind of guess where we think the monkey would have talked if it was in one of the scenes. And then when we hopefully speak to Brighton, we can ask him. Yeah. The only thing I can see them, and this might be, the only reason I might be thinking of it is because it happens in one of the Planet of the Apes movies. Amazing. But is for the monkey to be doing a monkey scream and for it to come out as a no. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
that's the only way I can see him talking is like a one word, like, or it being like a no or it being like, I would say Lyra, but it's too complicated for, for the mouth yeah. for me to feel well, like it would feel right coming from him. I was thinking here, it could mm. pretend when he like screams to get her to come to look at the like radar screen, would he have yeah. said a, a word there or something? Would he have just been like, Marissa? Yeah. Hey. Or like, oi. Over here. If he said oi, <laughs> would that count? <laughs> Oi. <laughs> Does oi count? Mm. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> if a baby's first word was oi, <laughs> would we say it was their first word or would we say it was a sound? <laughs> not sure, actually. <laughs> I am not sure. Um, so we get a sequence of events here. Ooh, so if he spoke, who was his voice? Do we think it was Brian? Oh, I don't In see which case? these things. We need to make a note of this to ask Brian. I don't want to do. forget. I don't want to forget. So, we can ask Russ and we can ask Brian. We'll get, yeah. we'll get, we'll get to the yes, bottom of this. <laughs> we will. We will. Oh, yeah. Write that. We'll ask Russ as well. Let's write that on the list of questions. Mm-hmm. So, Hugh is like, do you know what? If we're not going to use Mrs. Coulter, mm, sir, daddy, daddy, you can use me. I'll sacrifice myself for you, daddy, is basically the energy that I has been given here. hate it. The like, I hate it so much. I can't describe it because he does such a good job yes. of this. This is kudos to will keen here but like the like the shaky frantic fervent like religious zealousness yeah. with, with which he's like wrapping his wrist mm-hmm. up in the thing and like holding onto it and then like you see his little skink is it a skink I'm little lizard sure. yeah, yeah. like crawling onto the pad and like the way they're both so just like yes yes martyrdom yeah is so like ugh, I, ugh. no it, mm. i hate it <laughs> yes but it's very well done, and that's why I hate it. It really is. And then <laughs> Mrs. Coulter is like, hell no, bitch. This ain't happening. She can't. The key is not in the machine, so she can't stop it. Mm-hmm. So she just goes in and rags the thing to bits. She just, like, rags the massive thing out of it. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's the thing that has the hair in Because mm-hmm. I think that's the thing she's looking at yeah. when she's very first sees the machine. So she knows, she knows it's removable. Yeah. So she just rags it out of there. And um, that is where we cut back to this random little scene with Alarbus and the Metatron. regent. Oh, do we know it's called Metatron? Yeah, well, whatever, I just spoiled it. It's Metatron. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 Alarbus and Metatron and he is like, Asriel wanted to send you a message and his message was, as we learned from the previous Leons, I am here! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, except for Alarbus did not pass it on in that way but he mentions um the knife which is very important because Metatron brushes it off he says the knife is inconsequential yeah which is really interesting it means he knows it exists yeah but the important part about the knife now is that it's wielded by somebody who is not corrupted and is pure of heart Mm -hmm. we love Will he's so pure of heart Mm -hmm. I like that but that's what makes it a threat which is really interesting because that's when Metatron's like oh shit well, then we've got to send these humans a message. What I don't get is why instead of targeting Asriel's camp, he's targeted this moment with the bomb, with the dust. Yeah. Tell me, because I cannot remember. We're past where we were in the books now. So mm-hmm. I'm done. I've forgotten. Oh, it's same. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what happens here? So Metatron's like, I'm going to fucking show you. He targets the Magisterium. We're going to find out. Yeah. And then what is, he creates a chasm that takes away dust because in his little speech, he says like, see how you fare without it. So he's taking away dust and it's all, fall- we learn it falls into that abyss, I guess. Uh, so it is definitely, Father McFell not does definitely sacrifice himself yeah. to 
power the machine. Um, he does want to sacrifice Pulsa. He then sacrifices himself. So she, Mrs. Coulter, gets knocked out in a fight. Blah, 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 blah. The monkey tries to get the hair from the machine. The monkey is unscrewing the claw. Da, 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 da. Father, and the president, his face, a mask of grim exultation, was twisting wires together. Oh. Very good grim exultation, Wilkie. Yes. Excellent job. <laughs> For sure. There's a flash of intense white light and the monkey's form was flung high in the air. So they're trying to dismantle it and he just goes and like tries to set the machine back off as Mrs. Coulter is trying to like attack the machine and dismantle it. And they feel like something explodes somewhere. So there isn't anything that specifically says the authority intervenes yeah. that I can find in the two pages I've just very quickly skim read. <laughs> Uh, I may well be wrong. Mm-hmm. I do apologize. Um, but it seems as if it's just a struggle, struggle, struggle. Yeah. They kind of almost get the hair out of the machine, but maybe not. It still works to a capacity. Yeah. But clearly doesn't actually get Lyra. And it is Father Perez that powers it. So. Okay. So the Metatron, I guess, in the show then is like, I'm taking away dust. I'm creating a fucking chasm in the world, which we see a very brief glimpse of because it even goes through down mm. to the land of the dead um so uh, okay cool and then also do they do they just say like oh and while we do that we'll set this guillotine off as well or just is that just a, a product of the big explosion that the well see that's the thing is like in the book the guillotine definitely powers it yeah um in this is unclear but also he says something the authority says something no the metatron says something mm-hmm. like see how you fare without dust yes and we know that severing the demon connection removes the dust so i mm-hmm. wonder if he's kind of giving like telling mcphail off for like messing with these things when he's supposed to be a loyal servant kind of i mean does metatron well i don't think so because i'm it's interesting isn't it because like you said they do target the magisterium but also i would like to think that MacPhail and the whole Magisterium are so inconsequential to Metatron and the Authority that that's the big joke about them dedicating their lives to it. Do you know what I mean? That the Metatron mm. and the Authority have no fucking idea who they are. Similar to how yeah. they are with Asriel. But I don't know. I don't know. Also, Elabus does some, is looking rough as fuck, bless him, and doing some great face acting. Yes, we uh, get a lot of close-ups on that sh- shiny black and grey black and grey bronzer yes yes <laughs> uh metatron looks great in their angel form i think like yeah. looks really good that's very much like the intro isn't it the intro to the very first episode is that vibe yeah. with the kind yeah. of wateryness to it yeah and also mcphail uh sorry when metatron speaks can they all, can everyone hear it? Like, is it like a Voldemort vibe in the Battle of Hogwarts drink? Or can, can they not hear it? Ooh. I wasn't sure whether people could hear it or not. Because he's talking directly to them. He is. I wonder if it's just Ruth, like, if it's just Coulter and McPhail mm. they can hear. If it's just Ruth and Will. <laughs> no, no. They're the actors, Rachel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. It's one of those things where, again, because they're having to bring in the authority and try and make them more relevant throughout mm. the series than they feel in the books because you can just plop them in in the books and say here's a bunch of exposition yeah so bringing them in and making them a bit more relevant a little bit earlier on i think does help a lot mm. with how stark uh contrast it feels like bringing them in late in the book yeah um yeah tricky mm-hmm. yeah for sure An odd moment i guess 
in the book it's a big old kerfuffle and confusion and maybe Metatron did have something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> but you wouldn't know. And so they've just like, yeah, let's make this super clear that things have escalated to a point where the residents of the Clouded Mountain are starting to pay attention to the affairs of humans yeah. like a bit more closely, yeah. which is quite important. Speaking of the Clouded Mountain, I mean, we've not heard it called that, so mm. I guess that's a spoiler, but it doesn't matter. You've been warned anyway. <laughs> that's true. Um, but that set is very, very cool. We see Metatron hovering above... Like the whole space is very like white and ethereal mm-hmm. and light and like white marble. And there's this oddly creamy gold champagne colored yeah. box, Prosecco colored box, <laughs> um, that is underneath him that looks just like a plinth, but I yeah. feel could be something more. I wonder. I wonder. Mm. <laughs> I love it how sometimes we just spoil and then others like, mm, we wonder. <laughs> it's in part, it's because I can't remember exactly what it looks like when it does come up. So. Oh, it is that. Okay. Yeah. Um Okay, shall we move on to the land of the dead? Yes. Unless because you... we basically finish on that bit. Yeah. The light comes down, big explosion. We'll catch back up to that explosion when we finish Will and Lyra's arc this episode. Yes. So first and foremost, because I'm probably forget if not, when we went to the press screening, Amir mm-hmm. did talk a little bit about what it was like to film on that set. So we should play that clip here. Yeah, I mean, um, oh yeah, as you t- touched on earlier, Joe Collins and everyone who was involved in designing these sets did an incredible job because people often assume that we spend most of our days in front of a green screen just because it's a fantasy show and there's a lot of visual effects involved anyway. Um, but we, we really, really don't. These huge, Land of the Dead was a huge, huge scale. It went up as high as like 20 foot high, 20 foot high walls and a black sand for as like, far as you could see. Um, and once they got the smoke in and they dimmed the lights, it really felt like you were in the Land of the Dead. Um, and so as fast actors, it was, I mean, amazing because it, it, it kind of took away the hardest part, which is imagining something that isn't there. It, it made it almost easy for us. Oh, my God. Yes. Another clip. Another clip. And then my first note for The Land of the Dead is poor babies. Those poor, poor, oh. poor babies. Like, yeah. oh, it's just... just looking so sad on the boat. Yeah. And this is... I feel like this is what I missed a little bit last episode because we get this lovely conversation between Will and Lyra when Will's asking what it feels like. And Lyra very, I kind of love how it's acted because the way that Daphne delivers it is her just being like, it's like having my heart gripped by a steel hand. It hurts. Like as if Will doesn't understand what it feels like. And he's like, then he explains how it feels for him. And when he's like, is it like something very private Mm -hmm. is, has been torn out and is out in the open for everyone to see, which is very much line for line yes. like how it comes out in the book yeah. and you see Daphne realising and when he starts saying like I always questioned whether or not I had a demon but now I know I do because it's gone Yeah, like that's the acting that I kind of wanted to see last episode when yeah. Daphne was screaming her lungs out and it looked like um, when Lyra's screaming her lungs out it looks like Will's just kind of comforting her and not feeling the effects yeah. and this episode you can see or he, see he has felt the effects yeah. he, there is something different about him yeah. that's nice yeah definitely for sure so Keith Gary Burtman does not mm-hmm. even bother to humour Lyra like he does in the books when she says can you give Pan a message he's like no it's not going to be there yeah rude <laughs> just say yes you don't have to do it just give her a little bit of hope you can say if he is there, which is doubtful, mm. I absolutely will pass on your message. Not just no, because he won't be. <laughs> Rude. Rude. God. Yeah. 
He just hands them. I like that they've been on the boat with the lantern, although he's going back with no light source. Yeah. But he hands them the lantern from the boat, and that is lovely because throughout the episode, we're then going to see all these different collections of ghosts, and so much of that environment is lit by those lanterns, and they become quite symbolic. And I was thinking, when we watched it, I didn't really clock that the boatman gave mm. Will and Lyra his lantern. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, where the fuck is everyone getting these lanterns from in the Land of the Dead? And they, it must be the lantern yeah. that each one of them's got Aww. from the boatman. Oh, Keith Gary. Yeah, he's been supply- He's been lighting the world of the dead this whole time. Oh, that's very <laughs> When he goes cute. home and he's not rowing and he's not turning that crank, he's just building lanterns. Oh. <laughs> he must be. Yeah, that's really cute. Yeah. I do love how it's lit, but it, I can only imagine it must have been an absolute bollock to light that set. It must have been awful. Yeah. I can only imagine how horrendous it must have been to light that set. Yeah. Despite though being because I've had I've heard so much discourse on um like lighting and watching dark TV and like literally like dark TV mm-hmm. and dark films and how people find it really frustrating when you can't see anything. I think there's an episode of House of the Dragon which I have not seen but where there was loads of discourse online about like, yeah, it might have been good. Couldn't fucking see anything yeah. because it was so poorly lit because they went, it's a nighttime battle. Let's just not light it. And I feel like they've done a good job. And then loads of people were giving um, Are you gonna examples say- of like Lord of the Rings. I was, I've seen like this. Like how to light a yeah. night battle. Yeah. I've seen and this. And so they've yeah. done a really good job in this of like, it is very dark. Yeah. And they get away with a lot because it's very dark. But the use of the lanterns and lighting it was still done well enough that you could see everyone's faces. Yes. You could see the acting, yeah. which was like, good, thank fuck. <laughs> For sure. And yeah, I've seen that stuff about Lord of the Rings. It's because they use blue light in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, so you can see everything, which people should... I, I'm so sick. I agree. I'm so sick of not being able to see stuff. Yeah. Because like, not Just... everyone is watching TV shows in pitch black. No, and like I'm quite happy to suspend my disbelief. You can just tell yeah. me it's dark mm. and then have dim lighting. Mm, mm-hmm. Like you don't have to make it pitch black. Yeah, like, exactly. That's fine. <laughs> um, but they do something really nice. You're saying with Lord of the Rings, they use the blue light, mm-hmm. and they do something really nice throughout this with the warmth of the light in the lanterns because yes. all the ghosts are initially lit with that blue light. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Will yes, and Lyra yes, yes. are the only ones with the warm lantern. And then as Lyra tells them stories, the lanterns get warmer in colour and they go from that blue white light that washes everyone out to like giving them life no. but like the lights change to like a warm colour it's very like it's quite on the nose but it's really lovely to yeah. like visually watch it's really nice yeah that <laughs> is really nice so this the land of the dead is very different than what we get in the books we have like boulders made out of people's belongings which is interesting yeah did these people come to the land of the dead with their belongings surely they wouldn't why why are their belongings there i mean that is a question i'm not sure it is a great question to ask my theory is that because everyone's wandering around picking stuff up and looking at it and my theory is that it's everybody's like memories yeah because they're all saying they're trying to remember stuff and they're struggling yeah. and they're losing their memories and maybe as they're losing them they're like oh yeah it comes out physically up yeah. yeah, just coughing up an oil can here and there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that set is all very, I was saying about the Azriel's camp, or no, Agunway's camp and how it was very theatrically put together. And this is the other set that I was really thinking is like, you can imagine walking into like a theatre production at the National Theatre 
and the staging just being this like piles of mm-hmm. stuff and like heaps of things and you can see it, it's very theatrically put together i really like that about it though yeah me too i like it a lot i do the harpies are given that classic exorcist energy again uh <laughs> so i guess we should talk about the harpies so we don't see much of them the stories of the harpies is pretty much changed. We don't get Lyra lying to them. We the the thing that allows, or that Lyra thinks that allows, the dead to move through the land of the dead without them attacking is that if you hold your truth in your mind, they can't get to you, which mm-hmm. is very very different. The look of the harpies is very different. We get, we know from when we spoke to Francesca that we couldn't have that much of the harpies because they were so expensive. Mm-hmm. And there's one bit that I think they actually do quite cleverly rather than show you a harpy. And that is when we get Lyra's vision of Pan running oh. around and saying really mean things to Lyra. Rude. 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 So rude. Heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> very rude, very heartbreaking, but a very clever way to not show you a harpy for longer on screen. Yeah, and gives you a really clear impression of, like, what is being done to the ghosts. Like, if that's what's happening to Lyra yes. and Will when they first get here, that they're getting drawn away and hearing these voices and see having these hallucinations, that, like, if that's what all the ghosts have been going through. Because in the books, we just get the ghosts telling you, like, oh, they're really mean. They whisper mean stuff in your ears when you're trying to sleep. Yeah. And, like, that just wouldn't come across as well as, like, Lyra and Will actually experiencing it for themselves, which yeah. is very cool. And the moment when they're both, um, when they're both getting kind of, like, mentally yes. bombarded by the harpies and, like, losing themselves and Lyra sees it in Will and, like, physically shakes him out of it yeah. is really good as well. Like, I feel like they do some really cool stuff with that where they're, like, draining the life from their faces. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And we are definitely going to ask Russell about the harpies because they're so different. They're not, mm-hmm. like, human-formed. Har- no boobies on no the BBC. Bo- no boobies on the BBC. Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I wonder if the reason for it was no boobies on the BBC, but also because we get... The VFX in this show are so good that I just mm-hmm. don't know how good a human would look like a half do you know like if you put like a cgi half human next to mm. lyra and will like i don't know if that would be the thing that they're going for because everything else is so fantastical that if you put a cgi human next to them it might just look a bit off i was thinking this when i was watching this and i was thinking about the harpy problem and i was thinking i would fucking love to see the concept sketches that they went through, mm-hmm. the rejected concept sketches. I think they did with things some. like this. Oh, they did. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I know they posted something of like the sculpt and the concept that is the final concept. But basically, what I'm saying is, when season three's done, I know y'all have got like loads of photos, loads of drawings. You have to have kept everything. Please release an art book. Ooh, Please release yes. a, the making of his dark materials art book because we all want to see the concept sketches because we know the work that went into it. Just. Just do it. Listening to this, I know that people that work on the show listen to us sometimes. Yeah, get round it, round it up. Make an art book, please. Please do, (laughs) please do. But yeah, the harpies are interesting. I don't hate it at all. Like, I just wish we'd have got more of Lyra lying, and I really miss the harpies screaming at her and them saying like "liar" and "Lyra" and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I don't hate what we got. I just yeah. wish there was more of it. Yeah, I feel like there was an opportunity. And it happens so often with things like this where there was probably an opportunity somewhere to do like a practical, like a half and half practical and not practical mm. for like when we do see the top half of the harpy to have mm. somebody physically in some really cool makeup. Yes. From like just the like sh- the shoulders up really. Yeah. And then blend that down. But I don't know how hard that is. I'm sure Russell will tell us. Yeah. Um. But it was it was a real choice to step away from that. And I wonder if, again, it was to do with um, we're having to suspend our disbelief for a lot of stuff. Maybe they realized when they did the angels, which had to be humanoid in nature, that they were they were one of the hardest things to put their finger on. They said that. So maybe they were like, actually, you know what we're really fucking good at is creatures. Mm. And we've really enjoyed doing the Malefa. I'm just putting words in their mouth. <laughs> maybe they did deliberately decided to stray more towards creature than human just because they enjoy it more and they feel like they're going to get more success with what they've got, which is why it's got more of like a granny turtle vibe, <laughs> yes. I will say, than a actual human being vibe, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of... Suspending your disbelief. Yeah. Let's talk about Roger. <laughs> he it's hasn't aged a day, Faye. I don't know what you're talking about. He looks exactly He's the still same. The, and do you know what really the highlights? Small boy that we see in those flashbacks. Right. I was literally like, do you know what really highlights how similarly looks? Those flashbacks of season one. <laughs> Look, being dead ages you, okay? Yes. Yes. It also makes you grow a lot taller. Mm. Yes, it uh... does. It does. So they find Roger really easily, which is fair because we don't have that much time. I'm glad that they can touch. They have actually made a lot of choices this season to put in conflict where there wasn't conflict in the books. Mm-hmm. And one yeah, of those... Roger's a right Marty Prick. He is, isn't he? Like, and I just I'm, I get why they've done they've done it but i'm also a bit like can lyra not catch a break anywhere like can her best friend not be happy to see her that she came all the way down here yeah truly like he's so mardy and when he like yeah just such a grump and i can see it i can see why he might have lost hope but he did say i thought you'd never come well she's bloody here now though isn't it isn't she so you were wrong <laughs> like what do you mean you lost hope she's actually here yeah so and i get that like <laughs> the land of the dead will have affected him like it's affected yeah. everybody else there but still, fuck. And also, big lols at Will introducing himself and Roger just walking off. <laughs> I love that so much. I love how awkward Will is yeah. in so much of this. Because we get oh my God. Lyra, the community leader, the rousing speech giver, the storyteller, and Will going, I saw him make that omelette. It had shell in it. So funny. <laughs> like, hi, I'm, I'm Will, Will and I've got a knife. <laughs> I've got like in my... He's such a bad public speaker and I love it. In my notes, though, especially when he's like, hi, guys, I'm Will. I'm like, okay, TED Talk, Will. Fucking hell. <laughs> hi, guys, I'm Will and I'm a knife bearer. <laughs> uh, just like, hi, I'm Will and I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> kind of energy. Yeah. Very standing up in a group, not doing this. Public, yeah. It's public speaking. Public speaking. Public speaking. So, <laughs> yes. Roger, bless him. He does come round after a bit. Mm-hmm. So... I think Daphne is really great this episode. She has some great scenes, great acting from Daphne. Um, I enjoy that Will reminds Lyra that she promised Pan that they've got to get people out because Lyra's like, well, what the fuck do we do now? Because mm-hmm. Will can't cut through. It's like, I guess it sounds really cool. Yeah, it is a cool sound, isn't it? I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. They're like, Ksing. yes. And okay. we still get the lady with the blasphemy speech, which is great. We do. Cut down a little bit, but we get it. 
but we don't mm-hmm. get the monk, which I'm glad about. Yeah, he was rubbish. We didn't want him anyway. No. We get a lot of creepy ghost children mm-hmm. that are much more childlike than Roger. Yes. Um, but yes, a lot of creepy ghost children, like the little girl that was ask, asking about the demons, yeah. the little ginger girl who is so ginger and so pale. And I feel that. I've lived a lot of my life Same. as a very pale ginger. Same. <laughs> so I feel a kinship to her. I do like that um, they kept in yeah. the kids asking about demons from the books. I thought it was a nice Yeah, touch. that was lovely. And uh, Lyra saying that Lee is the first grown-up she ever trusted. Oh, but oh, justice for Mark Costa. Mm-hmm. Did Lyra not? Costa. Did Lyra not trust her? But she completely fucking forgets about her in the books as well. Yeah. We completely True. forget about her on a regular basis. Yeah, we do. <laughs> when we talk about Lyra's lack of mother figures, and we're like, oh wait, there was that Egyptian lady <laughs> that took her in for an entire like two months and was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get to say hello. To Balloon Dad. Oh my God, Lee Scoresby is actually here. And I love that Roger's like, Balloon Driver. Yes. (laughs) Oh, and honestly, I love Lynn's openness when he plays Lee. I love it. Mm -hmm. He's very much like, he's so happy to see Lyra, so happy to see Roger. He's so warm and welcoming to Will. It's just mm-hmm. so lovely. I love it it's so like much. It's like death just hasn't gotten to him. And it's probably because he's died more recently yes. as well. But like, yeah, it just hasn't seemed to get him down the way it has other people. And the moment when Lyra sees him and she's so happy to see him and then she realises that that means he's dead. Yeah. And we all remember that she doesn't know he's dead yeah. until right now. We constantly like, forget that. Even when we yeah. did the book chapter, I was like, why is no one asking where Lee is in the land of the dead? I'm like, because they don't fucking know he's dead. They don't know he's dead. Well, <laughs> well, she does now. And mm. yeah, what a way to find out. Um, yeah. And he's like, oh, it was yeah. over really quickly. Like, oh, and he was like trying to comfort her. And oh. we know it wasn't over quickly. We watched that scene. Yeah. <laughs> we watched that scene like four fucking times. We had our hearts broken excruciatingly slowly. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's just so nice to see Lee again. Yeah, and he gives them a bit more of a sense of purpose. The one thing for me that had like a slight clunk this episode was Lyra just kind of automatically knowing that they would need to go higher to yes. find to get a window open. Yeah, like I can't remember quite how it comes about in the book, even though we have done that chapter. Mm-hmm. I am a sieve, um, but just kind of knowing that we need to find higher ground was like I feel like it would have taken a bit more thinking. Yeah to get there yeah but fair we don't have a lot of time yeah yeah exactly (laughs) okay do you have anything else to say about the land of the dead before we move on to sweet mary um i think i think i have everything aside from the fact that when the explosion goes off which is where we finish the episode i Mm -hmm. think yeah um they're very much like on a mission. Lee's doing his little like follow the girl with the knife, yeah. like, follow the boy with a knife. Like yeah. he mentions the shaman, and we don't oh, get that yeah. connect. Yeah, they don't make like he's like, oh Lyra, you found him before the shaman found him. Yeah, and all this kind of stuff to do with the knife bearer, and Lee's not made the connection. Will's not made the connection. That connection's gonna have to get made. Yeah, I'm excited for it. True. And yeah, and then we just see this light drop down as we've just seen the guillotine kill mm-hmm. Father McPhail and this light dropped down and we know literally the shit's about to hit the fan. Yeah. But we don't get to find out what happens, which I love. Yeah. Like, we just see it drop and that's it. Mm-hmm. Great ending. Yeah, Great ending. for sure. For sure. Yes. Okay. So, Mary. Now we're with Mary. Mary. So, first we get a little season two flashback for Mary while yes. she's following a towel and she calls her a talking elephant. I love it. <laughs> 
am I doing? Following a talking elephant. <laughs> Love it. On the way, we see her like pick up a seed pod, which are very different to how they're described in the books. Mm-hmm. And we know how important seed pods were to Phil because we had Jane and Dan talk about it. And we can play that clip here. You know, we've gone and we've asked him about, and he's, oh, yes, you know, I would have done that if I'd known, or, or actually don't do it. There was something with the Malefa, wasn't there, when he, mm. we went to him and... Yeah, he, he well, that was, I mean, that was a very clear core principle, you know, at a very early stage when we start to take our kind of initial artwork, so I say, this is what we think they look like, this is where, you know, we think we could be, but we, we, we don't think we can go down certain roads with the Malefa, and... He said, you know, the, the absolute core principle of one of, of, one of the, the, the book is that these creatures live in um, a kind of perfect uh, uh, kind of symbiosis with their landscape. Um, yeah. And it doesn't matter about the Tuolepi, that's just another version of, of, a, of an oppressor in another world. But the importance is that we understand what these, the, the purity of these creatures and what they represent to Mary. Um, and, and yes, they have to roll on seed pods. Um, I was trying to get out. I was trying to get out of having them run. Yeah, we thought we <laughs> were like, like, "Come on, absolute, Philip, be reasonable." Yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And uh, yeah. yeah, and you know, he was right, and he, he set us that challenge early on. And um, they 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 do really rather gracefully ride on seed pods. It's very impressive. I was quite. I was. I actually like. I I, I let out a whoop when I first saw it. I couldn't quite believe Joel Collins and Russell Dodson pulled it off, but they did. I right. So we then see. Atal just fucking leaves Mary Inferno. She hops on a little seed mm-hmm. pods and fucks off. I love the like um, the way that she the the seed attaches to the foot because it's so hard to imagine from the book with the bicycle wheel seeds. Yeah. So the fact that it's like a you know when you see a really cool pen in a stationery shop and it's like a uni ball yes, pen. Yes, yes, yes. It's like it's literally. I think it's the exact same method of rolling where it's just like holding it and. It's very cool. It makes me think of a teenager on Heelys, the way she like scoots Literally, off. Literally, my note <laughs> is Malefa apparently have Heelys. Yeah, yes. 100%. But yeah, Heelys. I love that it's like an omnidirectional ball mm-hmm. way of moving and not like a bicycle. I think it yeah. feels right. And it did just feel right seeing it, seeing Atal, mm-hmm. as we find out it is later, Atal scoot off like it didn't clunk mm-hmm. i was really worried the malefa actually rolling would clunk after we saw them walking in that first time we saw them i was like oh no yeah and it, it did it looked right and I, I like that it's still just the two wheels and the two feet to pedal mm-hmm. it works nicely yeah yeah the babies are so fucking cute oh my god the babies are so they cute like i they knew exactly what they were doing they did they knew <laughs> they knew and <laughs> mary like there's an adorable lovely wonderful montage now that i love so much and mary does a sketch of a towel and then she goes that's you and it's like it's like when you hold a pet up in the mirror to like see themselves in the mirror and you're like that's you yeah or you show your friend a meme yeah and you're like that's you guys oh that tiktok where it's like that's you when you're a baby yes <laughs> is it yeah i remember <laughs> what a, what a... love it love it oh it's so good I love Mary learning the language and how it appears on the screen is so lovely. We commented on that the first time we saw the episode that it turning from the Malefa language to our language and it kind of looks a little bit dusty when it happens. Mm -hmm. And how we start with like partial sentences and just single words being translated from the full sentence to as Mary learns more and more of the sentences translated for us. I think that was really cool. Yeah. Very well done. Definitely. (laughs) You can look forward to our interview with Stephen Harron, who is 
one of the producers and editors on the show and he had a lot to say about some of that that, that journey with Mary. Um, so look forward to that interview. We're not going to drop it in as a clip because you're going to get a whole interview with him. Yes. But keep your ear out for that. Yes. There's a very quick explanation of why Mary's there. Like, Atal just straight up tells her, which is fine because we don't have much time. So that's fair. Mary doesn't really have time to be discovering why she's there without someone telling her. So that's fair. Yeah, fair. Um, like, they kind of expedite that process. Yeah quite heavily but it makes sense like i feel like because we only get two scenes with mary this episode they've kind of like gone for telling mary's episode in like longer blocks it's less choppy because she's separated from everyone else what she's doing isn't really impacting anyone else yeah so we're just getting like mary as like this really nice little respite from the stress yeah um which is really nice and yeah i love the way it feels like a duolingo montage yeah yeah um as we learn everything and yeah, the like sentences growing and Mary learning a lot about the society really, really fast mm-hmm. and us, therefore us learning a lot about them really fast as well. Yeah. I think is great. Yeah, for sure. So the whole place just looks amazing as well. And oh my God, the set is so cool. One thing that I wanted to notice, I, I don't know if you noticed in the credits, it says Malefa World Scenes directed by Russell Dodgson. Yeah. Yay, Russell. Russell. Amazing. Yeah. Also, so Mary makes a spyglass the spyglass we have to talk about the spyglass the spyglass is not a spyglass do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's literally it's, it's a spy lens yeah <laughs> so how was this made so she was picking up little bits of like i guess we'll just call it amber from the pool the lake whatever she's in mm-hmm. and then she was like looking through it she realized that she could see something through it and then she's like i need a lens so then she goes back to the water. She just pulls out a perfect bit. She's been looking for a while. We've yeah. seen her pulling out quite a few pebbles. Yeah. I just feel like it's a homage to anyone that is like me when they're on the beach and they spend the whole time looking at the ground for sea glass. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, yeah. there's this great YouTube video that I'll, not YouTube video, this great TikTok that I'll have to find that is somebody going to the beach and it's just shots of them picking up the wrong pebbles. <laughs> so like it's a shot of a little square of, of, of you know phone screen size bit of beach and there's like a really cool pebble with like a witch pebble with a hole through the middle or like a really cool bit of sea glass or like one that's a really satisfying shape and they pick up the one like next to it and it is one of the most upsetting videos I've ever watched in my life oh boy and they had to put in the caption like no good pebbles were missed during the making of this video <laughs> and all the comments were like no I can't believe it like just picking up the boring pebble when there's like a really good one right there <laughs> so I feel like Mary's little amber finding montage in the in the little stream is kind of like a homage to to pebble finders Fair. out there. Fair. Like, I would absolutely spend ages looking for the perfect pebble. Yeah. And I think it is the dust working in its mysterious ways that she happens to find a piece that is as round and flat as she needs it to be. Yeah. Not after days and days of searching, but after a few hours. So Yeah. And then we see her rubbing the seed pod oil on it. Mm-hmm. And then there we go. We've got a spyglass. We've got a spyglass. It's, it's so different. Very different. I guess it makes sense because mm-hmm. she's only got, we couldn't have, we don't have like the village of Malefa. We don't have their huts. We don't have them making tools. We don't, we don't see them building things. We don't have any of that. So I guess it makes sense because we, it would have had to be a lot of extra exposition 
to then have Malefa building stuff and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I get it. And it makes sense because it's like, well, that's just what she would have access to. Um, She can't be, she's not going to be making like a really high tech tool. Yeah, we get a lot of understanding of how the Malefa society works in the books and explanation that they can use tools that they can do this that they can do that and i wonder if getting the malefa to do too much of that stuff on screen would have a been incredibly expensive and b like sent us too far into like the uncanny valley yeah with like having them do too many humany things yeah um and like having them live in and around the trees mm-hmm really emphasizes that like symbiosis so then they don't need the huts that they have in the book so yeah yeah very different but yeah i i think it still works very well it still implies like a lot of symbiosis with yeah with the world around them and it's still really nice but it's it it ain't no telescope that's no (laughs) no so the dust looks really lovely through the spyglass and it's a really like special moment when she figures out what it is with a towel. Yeah, the music in that moment yeah. is so on point. Mm-hmm. Like, kudos to Lorne. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and also a towel just being like, yeah, go and look in that tree. Climb that tree by yourself, that massive tree. Yeah. Off you pop. Go find another conveniently flat branch. <laughs> yes. And also don't masturbate. <laughs> Because she does not have a special moment there. She doesn't have a special... She has an epiphany, but not that kind of epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the tree. Yeah. Yes. It's not quite as, as a as a moving a moment as I think <laughs> we thought there was in the books. Uh, but yeah, and she can see that, again, they've kind of changed it slightly to be more direct and mm-hmm. a bit more um, straight to the point in that the dust is leaving the trees and rising yes. away from the trees and drifting off. As opposed to in the books where the dust is just is usually falling yeah. and being caught and there's like a breeze pulling it in the other direction, which I think would be much harder to animate, much more subtle and not as easy for people to just like get what's going on. Yeah, for sure. So it makes sense. And it looks pretty. It does. Uh, it's so great. I love these scenes with the Malefra and Mary. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. well, saying that, is there anything else you want to say about them? Because I think I've gone through all my notes. I think that's it. I think I'm just really happy with how the dust looks. I think mm-hmm. it's really pretty. I think the spyglass is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mary's great. That's all we need to know. That's all. That's all we need to end True. on. Really, isn't it? True. Uh, and Mary. well, we'll end on another. <laughs> well, we'll end on another positive note because we hate him, but we love James McAvoy. There's no Azrael in this episode. Absolutely no so, Azrael. In this two episode. episodes. I'm wondering why. I was not feeling quite as angry yeah. as I have previously. <laughs> yeah. So two episodes now without Asriel. Was there no was there no Asriel last episode? Nope. I didn't even make note of it. I was still clearly mad from the episode before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned it last episode, don't worry. Ah, cool. <laughs> yeah. So well what is the next episode called? The next episode is called The Abyss. Oh boy. And the thumbnail for it is uh is Masriel. It is Azriel and Coulter looking towards the light source and looking, both looking very hot in the thumbnail, if I do say so. Uh, Always, always and forever. (laughs) We shall look forward to that one. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod. 
and you can email us at her.materialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not welcoming back Balloon Dad, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not chatting to you lovely folks about how adorable baby Malefa are, then I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at Rachmakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, rachmakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings and to Jane, Dan and Amir for their excellent input. Yes, thank you. And we'll see you in a week's time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Bye. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm going to cry every episode forever now. Yeah, me too.